0: Deadpool 2 becomes the second-highest R-rated film of all time, Jake Gyllenhaal might be in talks to play Mysterio in Spider- man Homecoming 2, and Lando Calrissian is apparently pansexual? (laughs) All this and more on this week's version of the movie news wrap-up. Hello, all you beautiful people and you fucking nerds. This is Kevin Parr, a.k.a. Rated Parr. Welcome to the podcast. Now, right off the bat, I'm gonna say I do apologize for not getting the movie news wrap-up up up yesterday, usually when I post them on Mondays. Uh, It is sunny as fuck here in Vancouver, B.C., and yesterday I had what I can only surmise as a very harsh case of heat stroke. Um... I went out, had some food with my lovely girlfriend. I was out in a patio in direct sunlight. I gave my hat to her because it was so hot. And after leaving the restaurant, I felt dizzy. I couldn't really stand up straight. Didn't really know what was going on. It was very confusing. So it kind of took me out of a whole day of production. So I am catching up today. Just want to thank you all for tuning in and listening to this week's wrap up a day late. But with that out of the way, Let's get to the first story and Deadpool 2 hit the theaters this last weekend and it dominated the box office once again, bringing in a reported $125 million domestically and $301 million worldwide, which is huge numbers. It came in, it is now officially the second highest Uh, earning R-rated film of all time, coming very close right behind the first Deadpool. So the franchise can now claim those two as very prominent trophies uh, in its franchise domination. A lot of people, though, were being very kind of judgmental of these numbers because in this day and age, you know, the stigma behind sequels, can it, you know, get up to the the quality of the first one, will it hit the same notes? Will it be lesser of a film, better of a movie? All around, everyone loved Deadpool 2. I think it was super entertaining, hilarious to a fault. It was so, so funny. Um, I have my own trepidations about the film. There were a lot of things I liked, some things I think it was lacking, but you can listen to that in my official Deadpool 2 review that I will be posting later today. But... This film was super good, and the fact that it only came up second in the highest (laughs) earning R-rated film of all time, a lot of people took that info and started to kind of point fingers and go, oh, well, look at that, like, didn't make as much as the first one, didn't go over as the first one, like, superhero fatigue is now setting in, look at these numbers, and it's ridiculous. I mean, this is still a huge win for the movie and a huge win for studios overall. Um, the film itself, its budget was pretty much doubled in the first one. Uh, the first film's budget of Deadpool 1 was around the 58 million dollar mark, I want to say, and that the, uh, second film, I think its budget was around 110 million. Still really modest compared to these other franchise films budgets, especially in the Marvel world. I think Black Panther just right off the bat made was made for around $200 million, and Infinity War, my God, was made for like $300 million. So the fact that I got this much money back in its first weekend is a huge deal. Um, Ryan Reynolds has gone on record saying that if they are going to do a third movie, which, you know, pretty sure they will um that he was saying that he would mind kind of scaling things back a bit and going back to that very low budget that they had with the first one because if if you have ever um dived in to any special features or interviews with Ryan Reynolds and the creative team of Deadpool you would know that some of the best moments in Deadpool actually came out of them maneuvering around budget constraints which is awesome that they were able to do that. But like the famous scene, uh, one of the, I think it was the end fight sequence when Deadpool, you know, his girlfriend's been captured and he says, I need all the guns. I need all the guns. And he gets his buddies to like pack his, this bag full and full of guns, rifles, everything. And then he forgets the bag back at home when he's in the taxi with Dopinder and then just has to kind of figure it out as he goes. That was a hilarious moment, and that moment came about because their budget was starting to get used up, and they didn't have enough for this huge shoot out action sequence that they wanted to do, so they just said, well, why don't we get him to gather all the guns, and he forgets it, and then he just has to kind of make it up as you go along. And that is such a character-inspired choice, it was hilarious, so... I think that for the third one, if they did scale it back, I think it would be, yield better results. Not that Deadpool 2 is awful in any stretch of the imagination, but myself and a lot of people felt that the extended budget kind of took a little bit of specialness out of the Deadpool 2 uh, film. So, all in all, huge numbers for Deadpool 2. Congrats to Ryan Reynolds and that whole team. You fucking deserve it. And I really hope we get to see more in the future. Spider-Man Homecoming 2? What do you mean they're gonna make a sequel? If you've seen Infinity War, that's impossible. Well, fucking duh, guys. There's, <laughs> for those of you who haven't seen Infinity War, won't spoil the ending for you. but uh, yeah. A lot of these movies are still gonna be happening. They're gonna, <laughs> I mean, fuck it. Let's just make this a spoiler right now. If you haven't seen Infinity War, skip ahead two seconds okay five four three two one everyone dies at the end of at the end of infinity war and if you're not a movie nerd you might speculate well maybe that was their plan all along there's not gonna be any more black panther movies spider-man movies well you're crazy to think that because of course there's gonna be more movies and we are getting this huge piece of casting news coming up for the sequel to spider-man homecoming and that is their main villain is going to be Mysterio, and they who they have set to play Mysterio is Academy Award-nominated Jake Gyllenhaal. He is going to apparently be playing the title role, and some sites are saying it's confirmed, some saying he is in talks, but from all of the info that I have gathered, it looks like this is going to be a for-sure thing. Um, Mysterio, if you're not sure who that is, he is one of the quintessential Spider-Man villains, uh, one of the best in the rogues gallery. He is a part of the original Sinister Six, and Mysterio, his real name is Quentin Beck, and he is an expert in designing special effects devices and stage illusions, uh, type of hip, hip, like, someone who can sort of create hypnosis and uh, as kind of an amateur magician and chemist his his origin and his skill set has kind of been changed a lot in the comics and in different stories but for the most part uh, he is somebody who's efficient in illusions uh, sort of mind trickery also in some stories he's been a a movie stuntman who has some knowledge of hand-to-hand combat and it basically works in entertainment um, but his career isn't going anywhere. He gets super frustrated. And at some point along his journey, someone says, you know, the only way to get famous these days is to take out a costume superhero. And so then he makes his own supervillain persona and costume and uses illusions and stage trickery to freak out his opponents and, you know, rob banks and such. So, but this is awesome. Mysterio is one of those villains that... Spider-Man fans will know really well. The common person probably doesn't know, but it allows Spider-Man to really be put in these crazy situations because the rogues gallery for Spider-Man they all those villains the top ones Anyway, all have very different skill sets from one another and really pits Spider-Man in very specific situations where he has to use his skill set and his powers in ways that he would never normally be able to do so like say for the vulture you know, he has to f- deal with flight. He has to deal with someone who can cut through his webbing, uh, who can take him up into high velocity speeds and, and heights. And someone like Mysterio, where it's just all about the visual and all about, you know, fucking with uh, his opponents, what they're seeing, what they're feeling. And especially now the MCU has gone into the Doctor Strange territory, where we've seen a lot of trippy visuals, and, you know, whereas Doctor Strange, you watch Doctor Strange, you know that stuff's happening for real. With Mysterio, the person will see those images and feel like it's happening, but it actually isn't. So, and if they go with a stuntman sort of background route where he does have some hand-to-hand combat, then you'll start to see, you know, him, maybe he'll make Peter think uh, he's back fighting Thanos, or that he's disappearing and evaporating all over again, you know? Who knows what they're gonna go with? But it yields for a lot of really cool and interesting fight sequences that they could do. Now, the flip side to this, and this is kind of, I haven't really heard anyone really been talking about this this much, but Jake Gyllenhaal, awesome casting choice, right? Mysterio, very loved villain, uh, from the Spider-Man fans' point, not very well known in the common movie-going audience. This same situation happened in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Do you all remember when they cast Jamie Foxx as Electro and how a lot of us were really stoked about it? And a lot of people, the way they're talking about this Jake Gyllenhaal casting, it's this. I'm seeing the same patterns of when people were casting We're talking about the casting of Jamie Foxx's Electro, Academy Award nominated actor, is taking taking on the Marvel Universe. You know, Electro, ooh, that's a cool, you know, well-known villain with the fans, not so well-known with the major public. Could yield a lot of cool situations for battles and such. Then what they ultimately did with the character was really stupid and weird and not good at all. So the only saving grace we have for this casting choice this time around is that this is still going to be a Marvel-led production. Sony is still in sort of a partnership with Marvel at this point for letting the Marvel Studios use Spider-Man in their stories, but that Sony will be distributing it and helping to produce the movie. So things to do with characters and story beats, that largely has to do with Marvel and the distribution stuff goes with Sony, so that is the only major difference in these two scenarios. But just because a really great actor finally gets, you know, a really interesting comic book role doesn't always mean that it's going to yield the best results. But because this is a Marvel Studios production, I feel that they're going to make really good choices. And you know, the first villain was Vulture. Now we're getting Mysterio. It seems like they're going the route of trying to maybe put together the Sinister Six, which, if a lot of you aren't aware of, before Marvel got Spider-Man, Sony was trying to really, you know, get their spider, quote-unquote, spider universe going after Amazing Spider-Man 2, and one of the films they had lined up was Sinister Six movie, in which all of Spider-Man's villains would come together, and it would be kind of this group, this movie, where the villains got together as a group to take on Spider-Man. That's why in Amazing Spider-Man 2, you saw them push forward so many fucking villains in one movie, because that's where they wanted to go. So you had Rhino and Green Goblin and Electro, and there was a scene, I think, in the, in Oscorp where, in that underground lab where someone's walking by a bunch of rooms, and you get to see Doc Ock's tentacles, and you see, I think you even saw Vulture's Wings, but anyway, that plan obviously was scrapped, and they went back to square one, but for myself, I would love to see a Marvel Studios handling of a Sinister Six uh, incarnation in uh, the, this new Spider-Man world we're in. So super fucking cool news, guys. I am super stoked that Jake Hall not only is finally doing a comic book movie, but that he is going to get Mysterio. We'll see where this lands, but keep listening to see where it develops. And hopefully they will announce his official casting very, very soon. So with the start of the summer-spring movie season, we are starting to get bombarded with a ton of new movie trailers. And one of the trailers that hit the internet last week that had a lot of people talking and a lot of people excited was finally the film biopic of Queen Freddie Mercury titled Bohemian Rhapsody and... This trailer was awesome, it set the tone, it really gave you an idea of where uh, 20th Century Fox will be going with this iteration, Um, I think, who is playing Freddie Mercury, I can't remember his name, oh, Remy Malik is playing Freddie Mercury, looks amazing, they even put in the overbite uh, in his costume makeup, and it all looks very fucking awesome. But there is one aspect to the film that a lot of people are kind of discussing and debating, and that's in this trailer, there is not a mention or an, any innuendo of sorts uh, that, well, basically, that's showing that Freddie Mercury is homosexual. And his obvious, well, the way his life ended was through AIDS, and during that harsh epidemic in the 80s, and the trailer doesn't touch on any of it. And a lot of people have been discussing it, debating it online, but one very public response to the trailer was from Brian Fuller. Now, Brian Fuller, for those of you who don't know, is a huge American television writer and producer who has created huge TV shows, Dead Like Me, waterfalls pushing daisies hannibal and most recently american gods he is a big deal in the tv world in hollywood and he had a response on twitter and this interview with upworthy that's got a lot of people talking about this issue even further so on twitter after 20th century fox posted their bohemian Rhapsody uh trailer brian fuller commented Dear 20th Century Fox, yes, it was a life threatening illness, but more specifically, it was from AIDS, from having gay sex with men. Do better. Now, this is in response to a description of the trailer that Fox put out, where the film starts off at the evening of Life Aid, which was a charity for AIDS research, and Fox just comments, Mercury was facing a life-threatening illness and doesn't actually go out of their way to say he was dealing with AIDS. Um, And then in an interview with Upworthy, Fuller kind of went on more on his point on the situation, saying, Every Mary Austin, who Freddie Mercury called the love of... Even Mary Austin, who Freddie Mercury called the love of his life, somewhat famously corrected Mercury when he told her he was bisexual, saying, No, Freddie, you're gay. By emphasizing heteronormative images without a balance of same-sex images. The marketing folks are making a statement of what content they feel more comfortable putting forward about this film, judging from this trailer alone. It left it felt to me like queer erasure. Regarding Freddie Mercury's bisexuality or his relationships with men, that felt conceptuously absent or rather significantly de-emphasized. The use of life-threatening illness in the publicly the publicity material smacked so disturbingly of Reagan-era AIDS denial. My ass was triggered like Roy Rogers. He adds, "Representation matters. If a story I'm telling isn't necessarily a queer one, I want to make sure the audience understands there is a queer one telling it." So, that's a very interesting uh, acknowledgement to say. I think that it's you know it's hard to say at this point because it is just a trailer. You know, we, we won't know for sure if this is going to be a thing in the full movie. I mean, in this day and age, I think, yeah, it would have been smarter to be more upfront about it um, rather than being very sort of wishy-washy about it in the trailer. But again, it is just a trailer. It's the first glimpse. You know, usually with these things, you get your first teaser or your first trailer that sets the tone and then closer to the release date, you get another trailer that's more in depth of the story and of the characters that you're telling it with. So I, especially after this kind of bad publicity backlash, I would be very surprised if Fox Studios doesn't, A, make another trailer soon, and B, that it has more of those elements put into the trailer. If, and that's if, they film those parts in the trailer. And also there's... Other uh, aspects to Freddie Mercury's life that are pretty dark as well, apparently like beating a woman and uh, a few other things that people have commented on that they're not too sure if they're going to show or anything like that. So we'll have to see if, if that all goes down. Apparently like he has drug use as well. And in most cases in biopics like this, it's very, it's a fine line. Sometimes they tell you the whole truth. Sometimes they really embellish it and make it kind of murky and cloudy or they might allude to it or you know suggest it but never show it i'm hoping for this one because he is such a beloved character such a beloved figure not only in music but in pop culture and just our society i mean god if you haven't ever sung bohemian rhapsody at the top of your lungs drunk at a bar you haven't lived um so more on this is develops but Uh, That's going to be my two cents on it. I feel that it's just a trailer. We still have more to show. I think that they should have probably put more hints of it in the trailer to appease you know, not only the gay community, but other people who feel very strongly about AIDS and its effect on people and its society. So I'm just going to say in about three months, you're going to see another trailer and this stuff will be in it. So along with all these big trailers dropping, we got along with Bohemian Rhapsody. Just this past couple of days, we had three very big trailers drop that you might not be aware of. First one is Andy Circus's first directorial debut film adaptation of the classic story Jungle Book. Now this story is different from the Disney made one that we got a couple years ago that was directed by John Favreau. And that was way more family friendly. This one is being called Mowgli. And right off the bat, you can tell this is a darker story. It's a bit of a reimagining. It's not solely dedicated to the story of the original book and the cartoon movie, like the Disney one was. Um, this story followed the upbringing of Mowgli, raised by a wolf pack in the jungles of India. He learns that the har- harsh rules of the jungle under the tutelage of the bear named Baloo and a panther named Bagheera, Mowgli becomes accepted by the animals of the jungle as one of their own, all but one, the fearsome tiger Shere Khan. But there may be greater dangers lurking in the jungle as Mowgli comes face to face with his human origins. So, yeah, they do go that route of ex- doing exploring more of the Mowgli side of things. That's not so much a carefree, sort of childlike adventurer. There, there seems to be really dark themes going on in here. And the cast for this is super, super good. On par with the cast as a Disney-led production, you got Christian Bale, Kate Blanchett, Benedict Cumberbatch, Naomi Harris, Andy Serkis is also in there, um, Tom Hollander, just a lot of really good actors. And the diff- the big difference that they're trying to sell this movie on as opposed to the Disney one, which again, Apart from the darker tone, is that Annie Circus is directing this one, and that it's really going to focus on motion capture, much more, I feel, than the Disney led one. Um, not too sure who the partners are who are making the special effects, but Annie Circus has been said to be very, very deeply involved in the animation side of things. So even from the trailer, you can tell from the character's movements and facial uh, acting, that there's something different going on and that I think the performance you're gonna get from these CGI characters are gonna be very interesting to sort of compare and contrast to the Jon Favreau one. Um, a lot of people are saying that maybe this is coming too soon, that Jungle Book is still fresh on a lot of people's minds and that you know it's easier to have a fun time in the movies than it is to have a dreary, dark one. So we'll just have to wait and see. I'm looking forward to this, The concept, when it first came out that he was doing a Jungle Book movie and Disney was also doing one, I was like, what's the point? Those are two super similar. I didn't really see the value in it, but after seeing the trailer, holy crap, guys. This looks so good. You need to go on YouTube and look it up right now. And you also want to look up another trailer called City of Lies. Now, this stars Johnny Depp and Forrest Whitaker and... It, it, this is a random movie for Johnny Depp to be in especially, but it's bringing, him, bringing Johnny Depp back to the uh, old school grimy cop stories that I used to love him in, like in Donnie Brasco. And this story is telling the story, telling a story of who possibly murdered Biggie and Tupac. And you follow these older detectives trying to solve this mystery. And it looks really intriguing. I did not see this one coming at all. Um, And this looks like a very different movie for Johnny Depp that he has been doing. I mean, apart from all the costumed, wacky characters he's been playing, um, this is going back to more dramatic style. And the synopsis for the film is, based on the true story of one of the most notorious and unsolved cases in recent time, City of Lies is a provocative thriller revealing a never-before-seen look at the infamous murder of the notorious Big shortly following the death of Tupac. LAPD detective Russell Pohl, played by Johnny Depp, has spent years trying to solve his biggest case, but after two decades, the investigation remains open. Jack Jackson Forrest Whitaker, reporter desperate to save his reputation and career, is determined to find out why. In search of the truth, the two team up and unravel a growing web of institutional corruption and lies. Relentlessness in their hunt, these two determined men threaten to uncover the conspiracy and crack the foundation of the LAPD in an entire city. And this uh, movie is directed by Brad Furman, who's done The Lincoln Lawyer, Runner Runner, and The Infiltrator. Um, the last two I haven't seen, but Lincoln Lawyer is a great film starring Matthew McConaughey and it has huge accolades behind it. So... We'll see where this goes. I mean, Johnny Depp is not the best of picking dramatic roles lately. Um, I think the one where he played Whitey Bulger was the last great drama he's done in recent years. But this looks really interesting, and crime drama, cop stories these days are hard to come by. They're not really churning out very good ones lately, but this story and this murder is very appealing to a lot of people, and I'm very interested to see where this film can go. And our final story for the movie news wrap-up is going to be, is Lando Calrissian pansexual? Well, according to the movie's writers, he is. So Lawrence Kasdan and Jonathan Kasdan, his son, are the writers of Solo Star Wars Story. Uh, Lawrence Kasdan also wrote Empire Strikes Back. And in an interview with the Huffington Post, the interviewer asked him a question. If Lando was pansexual. I guess that's been a rumor that's been going around for a while, or people have watched the film or have been following Lando Calrissian for a long time, have always suggested it. And in the interview, they confirmed that, yes, he is. Um, the quote says, there is a fluidity to Donald and Billy D. Williams. I mean, I would have loved to have gotten a more, uh, ex- more explicitly LGBT character into this movie. I think it's time certainly for that. And I love the fluidity. Sort of the spectrum of sexuality that Donald appeals to and that droids are- that the droids are a part of. He doesn't make any hard and fast rules. I think it's fun. I don't know where it will go." So, and the thing is, with this kind of statement, they didn't have to say this. Like, they could have deflected it, or, you know, said, like, that's a very interesting theory. Like, who knows? Like, make it up for yourself. But no, they went on the record and say yes. He is actually pansexual, and for those of you who don't know what that is, um, pansexual is that, is to say that he's not limited in sexual choice with regard to biological sex, gender, or gender identity. So, basically saying that Lando is the smoothest motherfucker in the galaxy, and if you're only having sex with women, you're only enjoying 50% of the bodies you could be having. So, very interesting quote, uh, just a little tidbit there, but I think it fits into that pattern of Donald Glover's sexuality and Billy Dean's sexuality that's played Lena before. Um, if you've watched any of uh, Donald Glover as Childish Gambino, you can kind of sense that in his performances. He has this inherent sexuality that, you know, doesn't really say like, I love women, or even that I love men. It's very much up to interpretation. So really cool stuff. I think that's very interesting. And with Solo, a Star Wars story coming out this weekend, who knows if this statement will kind of change anyone's lenses and how they view Lando or the story itself. But I thought it was a pretty cool piece of information for you all to digest. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. That's going to do it for the movie news wrap up. Thanks again for allowing me to have one day uh, behind on the schedule. I am going to keep to it as promised from now on. So that was just a bit of a hiccup. But thanks again so much for listening, guys. If you love this content, follow Rated Par Media on Facebook where we got vlogs up there. Same on YouTube at at, uh, Rated Par Vlogs. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And as always, put down the remote and go watch a motherfucking movie.